0: Hey everyone, welcome back. This is James Thayer with The World's Last Night. Today we are in Exodus chapter 8. I'm going to begin in verse 1. We get to see several different plagues in this chapter, which is quite cool. Here we go. Verse 1. Then the Lord said to Moses, Go into Pharaoh and tell him, This is what the Lord says, Let my people go, so they may worship me. But if you refuse to let them go, then I will plague all your territories with frogs. The Nile will swarm with frogs. They will come up and go into your palace, into your bedroom and on your bed, into the houses of your officials and your people, and into your ovens and kneading bowls. The frogs will come up on you, your people and all your officials. The Lord then said to Moses, Tell Aaron, stretch out your hand with your staff over the rivers, canals and ponds, and cause the frogs to come up onto the land of Egypt. Okay, so several things here. One, talking about the gods that... Uh, these plagues sort of make fun of. This one right here is Heket, which is the Egyptian fertility goddess. And so this Egyptian fertility goddess, Heket, actually has a head of a frog. Now, frogs are actually in Egypt considered very sacred. You're not supposed to kill them. Um, they are amazing little creatures that come out of the Nile. They're amphibians. Um, so they live both under the, in the water and on land. And so, in my opinion, with this plague, like, God's probably cracking up because he is now sending, you know, millions of these creatures into the land, into a people who refuse to kill them, and uh, and so they're going to be in their beds, in their oven, like, everywhere. And so, for me, that's kind of funny, and it's also, it's a double funny because he's sort of making fun of this fertility god that they worship as if you know, she actually exists. So we don't see Pharaoh actually say, no, I'm not going to let your people go. It's just, it's scripture sort of glosses over it. We assume that's sort of what happened, or maybe he decided to ignore God's threat to do this. Um, But we will move on. When Aaron stretched out his hand over the waters of Egypt, the frogs came up and covered the land of Egypt. But the magicians did the same thing by their occult practices and brought frogs up onto the land of Egypt. Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron and said, Ask the Lord that he may remove the frogs from me and my people. Then I will let the people go and they can sacrifice to the Lord. So that's sort of flipped. I mean, if you were had a truly repentant heart, you would see and feel shame in how you've behaved And you would change your behavior before making demands of God. So Pharaoh is now trying to bargain and negotiate. Yes, send these away, and then I will let your people go. As if he actually owned this people instead of it being God's people. So you can tell Pharaoh's heart is still not right. But it looks like Moses might um, take the bait. Moses said to Pharaoh, Make the choice rather than me by saying when I should ask for you, your officials, and your people, that the frogs be taken away from you and your houses and remain only in the Nile. Tomorrow, he said. Moses replied, As you have said, so you may know there is no one like the Lord our God. The frogs will go away from you, your houses, your officials, and your people. The frogs will remain only in the Nile. After Moses and Aaron went out from Pharaoh, Moses cried out to the Lord for help concerning the frogs that he had brought... that he had brought against Pharaoh. The Lord did as Moses had said. The frogs in the houses, courtyards, and fields died. They piled them in countless heaps, and there was a terrible odor in the land. But when Pharaoh saw there was relief, he hardened his heart and would not listen to them, as the Lord had said. So that's also hilarious to me, not going to lie. Just millions of dead frogs throughout the land, the smell of it, for a people that you know, thought they were sacred. Anyway, the big takeaway from that verse, in my opinion, is the fact that that Pharaoh hardens his heart after he has relief. So that is a huge issue with Christians nowadays. I mean, you and me thinking in our own lives, where we only go to God when we're in distress and when things are, are going wrong. And then whenever things are going right and we're prosperous, we forget to worship and go to God during those times, continually communing and having a relationship with him. You sort of forget that the source of all goodness stems from God, and you have to continually go back to that source, right? You got to continually get water to, to water all your crops so they might grow. In the same way, your your life and Everything in it will wither and die if you are detached from, as Jesus says, the true vine. He calls himself the true vine, and we are grafted in to him. So we have to always stay connected to the source of things and make sure we are worshiping the creator and not the created, worship the gift giver and not the gifts that he gives us. Pharaoh is making the mistake of repenting only when things are bad and not staying steadfast in his repentance when things are going well. Uh, It reminds me a little bit of C.S. Lewis talking about how God whispers to us in our pleasures, but he screams to us in our pain a megaphone to rouse a deaf ear. So, a deaf ear, sometimes, someone who's ignoring God, God's able to use pain to bring them back round to him. And... In in that sense, he's using these plagues to, um, A, demonstrate his mighty power, to say that he is the true God, not these false Egyptian gods, but B, to bring people to repentance, including Pharaoh, who doesn't repent. He sort of half-heartedly tried here, but as soon as things were better, he did not So verse 16, Then the Lord said to Moses, Tell Aaron, stretch out your staff and strike the dust of the earth, and it will become gnats. Okay, some translations say flies. Um, I've read where some people think the best translation is mosquitoes, but it literally what it says is a swarm. It becomes a swarm. So it could be several different kinds of insects or a specific insect. All right, it will become gnats throughout the land of Egypt. And they did this. Aaron stretched out his hand with his staff, and when he struck the dust of the earth, gnats were on the people and animals. All the dust of the earth became gnats throughout the land of Egypt. The magicians tried to produce gnats using their occult practices, but they could not. The gnats remained on the people and animals. Okay, before I move on, um, I'm going to see what this says literally. This says gnats. Let's see, literally... Perhaps sand fleas or mosquitoes is what my Bible says. I like the mosquitoes translation, not going to lie. Where is the other one? Agreed with, terrible odor. So this is attacking the Egyptian creation god, um, Geb. And so Geb, the Egyptian creation god, has the head of a fly. Um, and this would be really, really bad for Egypt to have all these insects basically attacking all the animals and all the priests and basically making it to where these people are all unclean. The priests are unclean, the animals are unclean, so they can't even sacrifice animals to their gods anymore. Uh, it's interesting that the magicians are unable to uh, reproduce this miracle and so as things progressively get more intense you're going to find God sort of ups the ante in various ways and in this case it's something that Satan in his power can't even accomplish uh, through these these magicians and we're gonna find a little bit God starts to only make it affect the Egyptians and not the Israelites I'll keep reading, though. This is the finger of God, the magician said to Pharaoh. But Pharaoh's heart hardened, and he would not listen to them as the Lord had said. So now even the magicians are like, whoa, this is out of our league. This has got to be a higher power than any of the, the demons and false gods we worship. And so they're actually advising Pharaoh correctly by saying this is the finger of God. And yet Pharaoh continues to harden his heart um, despite this. So verse 20, yeah, verse 20, the Lord said to Moses, get up early in the morning and present yourself to Pharaoh. When you see him going out to the water, tell him, this is what the Lord says. Let my people go so they may worship me. But if you will not let my people go, then I will send swarms of flies against you or insects. I'm sorry. I talked about the, The other one, the god with the head of a fly. That would be this one. I'm sorry. Yeah, messed that up. Um, Okay. Anyways. Uh, But if you will not let my people go, then I will send swarms of flies or insects swarm against you. Your officials, your people, and your houses... The Egyptian's house will swarm with flies, and so will the land where they live. But on that day I will give special treatment to the land of Goshen, where my people are living. No flies will be there. This way you will know that I, the Lord, am in the land. I will make a distinction between my people and your people. This sign will take place tomorrow. And the Lord did this. Thick swarms of flies went into Pharaoh's palace and his officials' houses. Throughout Egypt the land was ruined because of the swarms of flies. So I'm assuming they're eating and laying waste to all the crops. Um, Then Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron and said, Go sacrifice to your God within the country. But Moses said, It would not be right to do that, because what we will sacrifice to the Lord our God is detestable to Egyptians. If we sacrifice what the Egyptians detest in front of them, won't they stone us? We must go a distance of three days into the wilderness and sacrifice to the Lord our God as he instructs us. So Moses is once again trying to negotiate, basically saying, do the sacrifices, but you have to remain within the country of Egypt. And I'm sorry, that's what Pharaoh said. And so then Moses is like, well, that would be dumb. It would be a lot like, you know, sacrificing pork in front of Muslims um, or a cow in front of Hindus. It would be abhorrent to the Egyptians. And Moses is saying they would stone us for it. So... Pharaoh responds, I will let you go and sacrifice to the Lord your God in the wilderness, but don't go very far, make an appeal for me. So now he's asking Moses to be an intercessor between him and God, which that's kind of what he is. It's a prophet. As soon as I leave you, Moses says, I will appeal to the Lord, and tomorrow the swarms of flies will depart from Pharaoh, his officials, and his people. But Pharaoh must not act deceptively again by refusing to let the people go and sacrifice to the Lord. Then Moses left Pharaoh's presence and appealed to the Lord. The Lord did as Moses had said. He removed the swarms of flies from Pharaoh, his officials, and his people. Not one was left. But Pharaoh hardened his heart this time also and did not let the people go. What a jerk. So it says he hardened his heart this time also, which is a recurring theme, obviously. He sort of gets, sort of either lies or he only repents whenever things are bad. When things get good again, he goes back to hardening his heart. There's something to be said about the nature of sin and the progression of it to where you don't think you would go this far. Think about how horrible life is for the average Egyptian right now. I mean, their crops are gone, their animals are full of gnats or lice or whatever that might be translated as. Um, Frog, dead frogs everywhere it smells terrible, there's no commerce going on, and it's only, it only gets worse, right? Yet Pharaoh continues to harden his heart, and things continue to get worse. And you might think like a normal man would stop at this point and just completely cut it off, quit sinning against God. But that's not really how the sin nature works in real life. The person who ends up losing his marriage and his bank account from gambling they didn't start by betting at all they started by doing like a little tiny friendly wager then they may have moved up to slots and and so forth and then they finally crossed a line they thought they would never cross when they bet their car and I'm not saying gambling is a sin lots of people believe it is I don't necessarily if it's fun and it's money that you don't need and all that has been tied on whatever But, you know, there's other sins like this, too. There's people that, uh, you know, delve into pornography and they're like, yeah, I'll start here. I read about a guy who actually he's a pedophile and he never thought he would end up watching some of the like snuff videos that he ended up watching um, that were just absolutely abhorrent with children. Right. And he basically that's what got him to like turn himself into the police so the guy ended up turning himself into police because he basically saw that he had gone so far into that. Um, and he basically came out to everyone about his sin. Well, he never really – when he went into it, he probably didn't think he'd ever get that far. But he kept hardening his heart, hardening his heart, hardening his heart. Same with, like, drugs. You, you might start with marijuana or cigarettes, and then you're going to try – like my one of my roommates in college – he told me one day, he's like, "I almost died last night." And I was like, well, how?" And he said, "Well, I tried ecstasy." That guy probably never thought he would ever try ecstasy, but then he did, right? And then he kept going and going and going. Well, Pharaoh is kind of doing the same pattern here. He is the leader of a of a people, and they need him to make wise decisions that make their lives good. And yet, he's continually hardening his heart, going deeper and deeper and deeper. And you know, if you've ever read this story before, you know it gets by the tenth plague. It's really bad, like excruciatingly painful for the Egyptian people. So we're, we're not over with it yet. We're about to hit up the fifth plague here in chapter nine. Until then, this is James from The World's Last Night.